Hello everyone, this is Eva Norlick-Smith with Yoga You Online and I'm very pleased to be here today with yoga therapist Malisa Sullivan. Malisa is a rare treasure in the world of yoga. She combines in-depth training in yoga and yoga therapy with an extensive background working as a physical therapist. And not only that, she has the rare ability to apply this knowledge in a very practical way to our yoga practice. Malisa is an assistant professor at Maryland University of Integrative Health, where she trains yoga therapists in the Masters in Yoga Therapy program. And she also trains teachers and therapists in her own studio as well, uh, the Center for Integrative Yoga Studies. Malisa, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So uh, we're here to talk about spine health, which obviously precedes preventing back pain and enjoying lifelong functional um, healthy back. And it is said that prevention is worth an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So when it comes to keeping the spine healthy and avoiding back pain, um, there's a lot of truth to that saying. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Right. That if you, a lot of the underlying causes of back pain come from um, the biomechanics of the body, either muscles not being strong or muscles not being relaxed or fascia being tight or constricted um, and about our posture and the way we move. So when we work with correcting alignment in the spine, especially through yoga postures, and we also work with the correct activation of the body through yoga postures and even relaxation of the system and the breath, we're helping to prevent a lot of the co potential causes of back pain. Yeah. And one of the common elements often uh, brought up that's thought to contribute to uh, back problems is musculoskeletal imbalances. Um, is that correct? And if so, what are the mechanics for that? You made some reference to it, but if you could go a little bit more deeply into that principle. Yeah, sometimes um, the way that I've explained it recently that seemed to help people is to understand that you can have something like osteoarthritis of the back, or you can have um, a disc herniation or something that's closing down the space between vertebrae or, or on the nerve. And um, it might not actually create a problem if your muscles are strong enough and if your muscles are long enough. So when your muscles are not activating correctly or when you're holding too much tension in the muscles, it's going to create compression. And if you already have something going on, that's going to become something worse. So mm -hmm. by by correcting musculoskeletal imbalances, you're actually helping people come into a better alignment where they might not experience compression. So for example, um, there has been research done that has shown that the presence of arthritis or the presence of disc herniations doesn't correlate necessarily with pain. So people can have disc herniations and have no pain and people can have no disc herniation and have pain. So because of that, the question becomes, well, what is the real reason someone is having pain regardless of an underlying uh, organic root? And, one of the, and some of those causes are the musculoskeletal imbalances. So for example, if my stabilizers of my spine, like my transverse abdominals, aren't activating when they're supposed to activate, 
if my glutes aren't activating the way they're supposed to, that's going to create more compression in my spine. If my big hip flexor muscle, my psoas is either tight or short, and during the course, we'll talk about that difference between tightness and shortness. But if my muscles are tight and short, um, such as my hamstrings or my hip flexors or my long back muscles, that's going to also set me up for compression and uneven forces on the spine that will create pain. This whole concept of the musculoskeletal imbalances is, is very fascinating because we also um, have the concept of tensegrity that's increasingly uh, propagated within the anatomy thinking as one way in which the body is put together. And um, would it be correct to say that then the health of the soft tissues impact the health of this tensegrity structure? And even just by virtue of keeping the soft tissue pliable, flexible, and balanced and strong, we can help prevent uh, a breakdown of the structure of the body. Definitely. And part of like the um, beauty of how we're built is that we are creatures that are both flexible and strong. So because we have our soft tissues contributing to that structural balance, we're able to move in all of these different directions and be dynamic moving creatures. So, um, so the soft tissue is what allows us to have that resilience to our movement and that uh, dyna dynamism to our movement. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, in your work, you do go a step further and you know that when we consider how to keep the spine healthy and in balance, we also need to look at the functions of the breath and the diaphragm. If this is so, what are the mechanics for this? What is your thinking along those lines? Yeah, so it used to be that we thought of creating stability of the spine in a very rigid, static way. So like you engage the transverse abdominals and you hold that really strong as you move. But um, over time, that was found to, while it can sometimes work in the short term, and we'll talk about the benefit of that, because there's certainly a time and a place for that kind of setting and that kind of engagement. Mm -hmm. In my clinical practice, I found it very helpful. Um, but it, um, after a while, it tends to perpetuate the pain pattern so that it ends up creating this pattern of bracing and freezing against sensation. Um, so I, in my clinical practice and in the more research that has been done on it, um, it's been found that that static kind of setting isn't actually the best thing for us. Um, so if we think about a lot of times the um, metaphors used of a container, Whereas if you think about like your, your spine, your torso, you have the diaphragm on the top, like at your rib cage. You have the transverse abdominals on the front and around the sides. And then you have the pelvic floor on the bottom. So that relationship between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor is incredibly important. If I just set my abdominals really strong and I breathe, my diaphragm can't lower, which mm. actually can create tension and even pain and compression. So being able to work with both static stability and um, what I call, and I don't know what other people call it, but I call it more dynamic stability. That idea of you can learn how to use that movement of the diaphragm and the pelvic floor 
um, as you breathe to actually create stability also. So we'll be in, in, the, in the webinar and in the practice, we're working with both static stability and dynamic stability of using the mechanism of breathing to actually create the stability of our spine. Very interesting. And of course, yoga has, when we talk about the diaphragm and breath, yoga has some very unique techniques to offer in this area. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be talking about the idea in yoga. Um, you'll hear what's called the, the locks. And so if you look at the physical nature of the locks in the body, we have the root lock, which is similar to the pelvic floor. That's where the pelvic floor lies at the very basin of the pelvis. And then you have the abdominal lock, which is where the transverse abdominals lie. So we can use the uh, we can use different breath techniques that we'll go over, like kapalabhati, but also diaphragmatic breathing, um, and even breath retentions. We can use those to play with um, building that kind of dynamic nature and that dynamic stability. You already made reference to core work. And of course, everyone knows that having a strong core is important to keep the health of the spine. But the way you're talking about the core is very different from the cylinder we are usually talking about. You're talking about a top and a bottom as well. So talk about your concept of the core and how that has developed over time. I presume you're reflecting some more current thinking within research in this area. Yeah, so the core is, um, like you, you had said, originally people had talked about it as just being the transverse abdominals. And the transverse abdominals are the very deepest set of abdominals that um, actually um, often activate before we move our arms and our legs to stabilize our spine. So that's just one piece of it. And um, in the more recent research, um, understanding the relationship between that part of the core and the pelvic floor is important. The pelvic floor muscles, um, which we'll look at over the webinar, um, help to really stabilize the pelvis, the SI joint and the pelvis. Um, and so it works very much in conjunction with the transverse abdominals. And the top of the core is the diaphragm muscle. And the diaphragm is this huge muscle that is you know, responsible for our breathing. And it has an, an, a huge impact on the back. We'll also talk about the psoas muscle comes into play. So the big hip flexor that uh, really lies on the back of the container because core strength is also about uh, the length and strength of that muscle. What I think is amazing is when you look at the body and you begin to see how the psoas and the diaphragm interdigitate, meaning that fascially they're very much connected so that anything that's happening in one affects the other. Um, so looking at that, um, the psoas is really important, both in its um, length, but also its state of tension and its strength. So working with that as part of the core is also important. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> so it sounds like a wonderful way of gaining deeper insight into the basic principles that govern the integrity of the spine and thereby obviously the health of, of the back long term. How does this have relevance to our yoga practice? So it's in, you know what's interesting about asana, about yoga postures, is that you can look like you're doing them wonderfully. You can look like you know you're doing the postures. You have good mobility, you have good strength. But the working with stability really asks us to look at the way in which you're doing them. So mm -hmm. it's not about going into the deepest posture and the most mobility and hanging in your joints. 
but how do you use these muscles to help take you out of your joints, to take you out of that mm. pressure on joint structures? So using very, you don't have to do any weird tricks. Using very basic postures like warrior one and warrior two and triangle, using things like tree, like there's very basic postures that we can use. Um, but we add in this piece of engaging the stability within the posture. <clears throat> So that the posture can be lengthening the hip flexors or, you know, lengthening the hamstrings. But it's also about the way in which we're asking people to come in them with it, which is with a sense of that stability and strength of the core and of the spine. That's a beautiful concept. I've noticed when you observe people in posture, particularly the sort of traditional sway back posture with the hip forward of the plumb line, um, it's very obvious to see that very often the way we approach our basic daily posture is that we hang on the spine. Mm -hmm. There's no support with the core muscle. We're just kind of allowing the body to carry, uh, the spine to carry up the body weight. <clears throat> and it's very interesting that you are transferring that concept to yoga postures as well. I, I never thought of it in terms of yoga, but of course that same principle would apply. Yeah, it's like that idea, you know, how people say that every posture or Tadasana is the basis of every posture, because when we come into that really stable, strong alignment in our body, we then, when we take that into every yoga posture, that then hopefully can translate into taking that into every movement I do in life. So in walking and in bending to pick something up or sitting, that we can begin to translate what we're finding in Tadasana. But what's great about yoga postures is that it's functional movement. So you don't, I mean, the, the part of, um, in, the, in the world of exercise science and, and exercise physiology, the idea of functional movement has really gained popularity. In other words, um, it's great to lay down on the ground and do some abdominal work or to do some glute work. But that strength doesn't necessarily translate into better movement patterns. So what's great about yoga is it is movement patterns. It's lunges with warriors. It's squatting with ukatasana. It's balanced postures with tree. Like we're using very functional movement patterns. And so if we can utilize that to build stability in our body, that can help translate into real world. I know uh, real, real world activity. I know coming from physical therapy, one of the reasons that I liked yoga and many of the PTs that I've met like yoga is for that reason. It gave us a lot of ways to work with those more functional movement patterns. It's mm, beautiful. It's beautiful. <clears throat> and um, I know that you are very much emphasizing the, in, um, the integration of the physical part of our body with the more extended part of our body, the what's also sometimes referred to as the Panchamaya Kosha, this idea that we are not a physical body, we are layers of different types of body, the mental, emotional body, the wisdom body, the bliss body. Um, so when it comes to core work in your own practice, as you see people develop more core strength, more core integrity, do you also see that reflect then in their mental, emotional makeup? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I, you know, I have some great, just recent examples of that. One of the um, one one uh, older gentleman I worked with recently, um, he's getting older, and that idea of how your body changes when you get older, how you begin to lose some strength, and he'd retired and. 
what was like his purpose in life. He was very much having that feeling mm. of, and like of not having self-efficacy, not having a place to be. And working with these strengthening, stabilizing postures helped him to feel like he could, like it, it gave him confidence to rejoin some committees and to be on the board of something he used to be on the board of and to really like take a part in life again. Um, similarly, when I've worked with people that have um, trauma and you begin to work with core work, they begin to get that sense of, oh, I'm in my body. So it mm -hmm. takes them from uh, wherever else they are to, right. to this like present moment strength of being an embodied creature. And I've had um, a few people that I've worked with in trauma that it's that strengthening core work that really allows them to, um, to that, that play, I don't want to say allows them to heal, but uh, it plays such an important part in their healing process as part of their healing process. That's a beautiful point. <clears throat> and it's so wonderful that you're there to experience it in the work that you do. Most of us have experienced something personally along the same lines, but uh, it's a wonderful validation that you see these results and that you're actually working with people and implementing these principles. Yeah. And I think what's beautiful about it is like, it's so tangible, like this core type strengthening work. Like another woman that I was thinking about, she um, had been homeless for a little bit and it's like working with grounding and stability and stabilizing. It, it, it gave her that ground of being and that stability in her life and that focus into the present. And I think sometimes, um, you know, Sometimes it's we want to get into really fancy things, but really like bringing it back down into um, the beauty of being an embodied person, an embodied being, and our consciousness in form, mm -hmm. um, and allowing the, the you know you don't have to when someone experiences it in their body you don't have to try to convince them of that, so that that core work in the body brings that about very naturally, which is a a beautiful thing. Yeah. You have a course on Yoga You Online where you specifically talk about the core cylinder and how we can use yoga to create a stable and dynamic core by working more specifically with the breath and the bandhas. Tell us more about the course and what you will be covering. Anatomy can either be a really dry subject or it can be, you know, the experience that you have in your body. So um, whenever I teach, I try to teach in a more experiential way, meaning that when we talk about muscles and we talk about joints, we'll also pair that with exercises or um, exercises that you can do right away to feel it. So that when I talk about the psoas, there'll be a picture of it, but I'll ask you to feel it on your body. When we talk about the abdominals and the pelvic floor, they're, they're real, it's not that I want you to just look at a picture and hear my words. I also really want you to, I'll give you a way to actually feel it. Um, so that way anatomy becomes not just like names and words you're memorizing, but once you feel it, you know what it is. Um, so we'll be doing that and that'll be mostly the first night. And um, so the first night will be much more of a focus on uh, making sure that there's an understanding of what muscles we're talking about, where the joints are, what the muscles do, what the joints do, um, what is often weak, what is often tight, and working with the breath. Um, and then there's a practice that is given that really works with this static and dynamic stability. 
And then the second pro the second webinar is going to be more focused on application. So how do we take all of this information and apply it therapeutically for different causes of low back pain or um, different issues in low back pain? It sounds wonderful, Marisa. <clears throat> we are very much looking forward to it. And um, yeah, um, I know that I've had a little bit of a, a sneak preview of your practice. And I know from experience that your practices really help you go much more deeper into the experience of the body. And so we very much look forward to having both that experience in terms of sensing the anatomy and what we're talking about and then also the the practice and is this for yoga therapists yoga teachers or is it useful for um, yoga practitioners in general as well well my hope is that it's useful for everybody that it's useful for um, practitioners so that, that they learn how to practice in their body in a way that's both fluid and stable so for practitioners, what I want them to get out of it is how do I actually come into these yoga postures and find a way of being in my body that is strong and stable, healthy, prevents injury, and fluid. Um, for yoga teachers, I want them to also to, to get that experience, but then also to develop ways to learn cues and ways of teaching their students. Um, and for yoga therapists, I want them to really... Um, do I want them to get? I want yoga therapists to also um, to to build on those two, and to learn how to um, apply it individually for different causes of back pain, and um, some ideas around assessment of that, as well as um, a, an understanding of the nervous system that we're going to talk about with it. Wonderful. <clears throat> Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us, and we very much look forward to your course. Thank you. Thanks for um, having the course. All right. And everyone, good night, and take care, and we hope to see you uh, for Melissa's course on Yoga U.